0: Welcome to Strength for the Journey from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu, Eko'olau. Being a Christian means a lot of things. One of them is to reflect Jesus and to have an attitude of humility. First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun explains in this sermon called, A Humility of Service. So let's stand for the reading of the word, Mark 9, since
1: Denzel could not be here today. I will read it. Mark 9, verse 30, they, meaning Jesus and the disciples, went on from there, passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the son of man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. Perfect choir song. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. We are in a series through the Gospel of Mark called Hope Restored. But within this series, it seems that the next few sermons all have in common, a major theme in them, and that is the theme of humility. It's a huge topic I've always said that if I write another book, it will be on humility because if you are humble, you will have a great life, whether in business or or personally or in worship or in your relationship with others. Once we realize that it's not about us, we will flourish in life. When we are humble, we can truly learn. When we are humble, we can say we're sorry. When we are humble, we have a more accurate view of our own life and we will grow. When we are humble, we hear God. When we are humble, we are more grateful for the blessings that come. If I were to write a book on humility, I will entitle it, How to Be Humble Like Me. <laughs> or if I really stick it to the man, I could make it even stronger with a book title like, even you can be humble like me. (laughs) Or I could give it a more catchy title like Purpose Driven Humility. Or maybe I want to sell more books and I can entitle it as The King James Version on Humility. Or a pop title like The Humility of Harry Potter and Twilight. Or maybe a racier title like Fifty Shades of Humility. I don't know why you're laughing at that one. The challenge of humility has been around since Adam and Eve, and for they pridefully thought that they knew better than God. And certainly it was a challenge during the time of Christ as Jesus' own disciples didn't get it. So imagine in this scene, here's the context. In last week's episode, Pastor Steve preached on, on um, that how we saw that the disciples couldn't heal people. And Jesus told them, hey, for this kind of healing, you need to pray more. Right after that so-called failure at healing prayer, they then walk towards home and have the audacity to have an argument about who would be the greatest of all. And this should kind of make us laugh. I mean, first of all, they're in the presence of the greatest of all, meaning Jesus Christ, but they didn't even know it. And instead, they got into their kind of Muhammad Ali riff of, I am the greatest. Second, Jesus has just taught them that the essence of the gospel, the secret of life, was that Jesus was going to be betrayed and then killed, and then he would rise from the dead. This is incredible, miraculous news. But the disciples didn't get it, and while they were walking away from that amazing revelation from Jesus, they get into an argument on their way home. One shudders to think that if they had just heard that Jesus was going to die, did they have the absurdity, the audacity to be arguing who would take his place? No wonder they got quiet when Jesus asked them what was going on. But they don't know that Jesus has kind of a super or a Spider-Man sense where he can supernaturally perceive and hear things that normal people can't. So when they finally get to a house, Jesus says, hey guys, you know I'm not deaf, I'm not unaware. I noticed you guys were arguing about something. So what was that about? And the Bible said that the disciples became silent But then maybe they began whispering, hey, you tell him, I don't want to tell him, you're crazy, he might get mad, I'm not going to say nothing. Okay, then I'm going to be quiet, then I'm not going to say anything, you say something, he might get nasty on us. So they all became silent. And so we see one of the first literal come to Jesus talks, where Jesus says, okay, you guys, I'm going to sit you down now, which means come here, I'm going to have a talk with you guys, so let's get down and listen. And here's the headline, guys. Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And they all probably said, say what? Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. The essence of life, the secret of life, is that we must be willing to serve others. It's okay to have a self-interest in life. We wouldn't become Christians unless we think it's for our best interest to have Jesus in our lives and to follow him. But to be self serving or self centered, that will be toxic. We can think if I make my life about me, then I'll be fulfilled. But that's not true. We will actually find more meaning if we serve others. We will actually find more meaning in serving others in the name of Jesus. And the reality is that when we do things in the name of Jesus and in his power, we will have more than enough status. Michael, Mike Pilibachi tells the 2,000 year old story of a little donkey who goes home and says to his mother, Mama, I had the most wonderful day. Out of the blue, a man Took me to the city and had me walk through the main street. It was incredible. And when I began to walk down the main avenue, people were cheering to see me. They were praising me. And as I worked further down, people were actually throwing their coats and cloaks in front of me to walk upon. And then some were yelling their praises to me, hallelujah, hallelujah, and waving palm fronds and raising their hands. It was the most amazing day, mama. And the mama donkey said, Oh, my little donkey, you didn't realize they were not praising you, but instead the man who was riding on you. The humans called this day Palm Sunday because of all of the palms they were waving in celebration of the man who was sitting on you. It wasn't you. It was for a man named Jesus who was above you. He is the Messiah. And sometimes we can get into ministry or in business or life in general and believe that all of the praises should go to me, but it should really go to God who accompanies us and is above us. Even when we do great accomplishments, it's not because we are great. It's because of God who is always part of the reason for any blessing or goodness in our lives, especially in America. We have many opportunities and blessings that 95% of the world doesn't have. We have clean water, clean air, beautiful beaches, gorgeous mountains, and sunsets, and we didn't create any of that. We live in a state where we have the aloha spirit and their honest police. We live in a state that once was a Christian nation, and our roots are Christian royalty and Christ followers. Missionaries came to bring the gospel and help create a written language. We live in a country where we have an opportunity for education and good jobs and good health care. In his providence, God put us here on this part of the of the planet. It wasn't because of your accomplishments. If we were to ever think that aren't we hot stuff and that we are the greatest, know that our success, if any, is only because God allowed us to have an opportunity to be trained and equipped to do great things. No one does great things alone. The goal in life is not to be seen as great, but the goal is to be faithful faithful and do great things and give glory to God who made it all possible for us to do that. On my desk is a a little sign of a quote of Mother Teresa that says, God has not called me to be successful. He has called me to be faithful. Part of the definition of doing great things, whether in your company or in your school, your neighborhood, or in your family, is when you serve others in the name of Jesus. Not that you tell them that, that, hey, I'm serving you in the name of Jesus, but that, that you know the reason for your service, and you do it humbly for Christ. And why do I say serve in the name of Jesus? because if you do it in your name, then you are working like the disciples to make a name for yourself. The strange irony is that if you try to be great in the world's eyes and get glory for yourself, then you are just a donkey, or some other word, (laughs) who could be given greater status if you have Jesus with you and leading you. Our temptation is from a world who says it's all about me And if we have either enough money or good looks, we will be the greatest. So let's uh, take a look at this money or good looks thing. First money, nothing wrong with having money, but will you use your money to serve others? I admire Bill and Melinda Gates and Warren Buffett, who could use their money just for themselves. They could have like 80 cars like Jay Leno but instead they're funding one of the biggest foundations in the world to help others fight disease, poverty, poor education. I admire Bill Huang, who is using his millions to bring the word of God to the world through Just Show Up or through the Museum of the Bible in Washington DC or to help 30 plus other nonprofits. As for good looks, how does that help you serve others? You've heard me say before when you are declared by People Magazine that you are the sexiest man alive or the sexiest woman alive, what do you do with that? I mean, how is that helpful, being sexy? How does your being sexy help the poor, the widow, the the imprisoned, the sick? Oh, you can say, well, sexy people get to be a UN spokesman to speak on behalf of the poor. Um, Important, effective perhaps but are they really more effective than maybe non-sexy people, like Mother Teresa or St. Francis, who have helped thousands of the poor, if not millions? The interesting thing is that the world tells us that we can be the greatest in sexy looks, and that, get this, we can have it quickly. Now, how do I know that? It's because I read the magazines in the supermarket, where all the wisdom literature is displayed. <laughs> like for example, women's health, which I thought would be about healthy nutrition. Al contrario, I'm looking at it. William, women's health is about, well, as the magazine cover says, how to be hot and healthy. Or as the cover says, how I can have sexy toned arms with show off shoulders in six moves, just like Katie Holmes. Or if you read the finer print, I can have the blue jeans butt, and I quote again from the cover, that I can sculpt a high round tush in 15 minutes. In 15 minutes. You can know you will get it in the end. Maybe this is what the Bible talks about, signs and wonders. Or maybe it's to be the greatest and looks like Anna Faris. As the cover says, I can have awesome abs and find, as the magazine cover says, and I quote, find fun, new, sculpturing moves for my abs and five waves, waves to beat, bloat, instantly. Instantly. <laughs> So in the Bible, okay, stop looking at Anna Faris. In the Bible, in this morning's chapter, Jesus tells us that if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, then cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. So what is this all about? When you have awesome abs and show off shoulders, does it make you serve others better or does it make you more prideful? What Jesus is basically saying is that pride will make you stumble. Pride will make you blind and make you not want to use your hand to help others. And if that's the case, then cut it off like a bad eye, bad hand. Don't let anything hinder you from serving others, especially your pride or your selfishness. Cut it out knock out the counterfeit gods in your life. Uh, But you can say, hey, you know, if, if, if I look great, I will feel good. And I won't argue about that. But if you really want to feel good, according to Jesus, it is to be the servant of all. Not a servant of some, but a servant of all of everyone, no matter if they're good looking or not, or lovable or not, or esteemed or not, no matter what their position in life. Now let me bring it home a bit. As Jesus had his come to Jesus talk with his disciples on servanthood, uh, now it's my time for a come to Jesus talk with my disciples. Sometimes I don't think we treat the people who serve us well, like waiters or porters. Sometimes I hear that we are not considerate to those who serve us in this church, especially those who work at Ko'olau Ballrooms, which is a separate company. Sometimes I hear we are not courteous when we talk to the ballroom staff, whether porters or those who serve us food, especially on Sunday morning. Sometimes they are treated like servants instead of us serving them with kindness. Sometimes I hear of an attitude that these people are here to serve us and clean up after our mess, so therefore we can order, order them to do what we want them to do. Sometimes I hear that we feel we don't need to smile at them or say good morning to them or hi to them using their names because they have name tags because they're here to serve us. They're treated like they're just the help. Sometimes I hear that people think their kitchen is our kitchen and... We can walk in at any time to get equipment, utensils, or whatever. Sometimes I hear that people are rude to our parking volunteers who have spent many, many hours outside trying to help with our parking. And i have actually spent thousands of hours over the years trying to help us park in the right place so that we won't get stuck or not block somebody. So what would Jesus do? We can serve others in courtesy and with a smile and with pleasantness and gratitude for what they do or don't do for us. Or we can treat them like they're below us. It can start in small ways, which are actually really big ways. Remember, we may be the only Bible they read. The final thought is this. Jesus modeled servanthood to us all, all his life. Hear how the Apostle Paul wrote about this in a letter to the church of Philippi. He wrote this, "'Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, "'but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. "'Let each of you look not to your own interests, "'but to the interests of others. "'Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus.'" who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. If Jesus, the perfect man, God can be humble. We should strive for that if we claim to be a follower of Jesus. Now we're going to do communion in a few minutes. And it's in communion that we realize over and over again of how Jesus lived for us. And if he lived in this great servant way, why do we think that we have to live a different way? After all, he's God and we're not. No, he wants us to live in godly fashion and that means servanthood. Did he die for us so that we could be rich and successful and take all the glory? Maybe that's what the world says or televangelists who are unhealthy. But if that were true, think about this. If that were true, why did all of the apostles in our passage today die a martyr's death except John, who was banished to live on an island? If following Jesus was to make them rich and popular, wow, they missed it big time. No, they got the gospel. They died in servanthood to us. Thousands of years later that we could hear the gospel. The early missionaries suffered to get out here that we might hear the gospel. And for us today, I ask, how can we have show off shoulders when they are strong and at times weary from carrying the burdens of others and serving them? How do we become hot and healthy when we are hot and sweaty from helping others and healthy in mind knowing that we are doing good in Jesus' name. I close with this piece of homework for you all. I once suggested it to you years ago, but maybe it's time for a review. If you really want to be great in your life, then hear the words of Jesus again who says, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all we might be last in the world's eyes, but first in God's eyes. So knowing this, I I now close with this homework. This is the takeaway. What is your three-word personal mission statement? When someone asks at a party, what do you do? Don't tell them your occupation. Don't tell them your position. Don't tell them I'm a student or I'm a homemaker. Tell them your personal three-word mission statement. If you're called to serve others, think and think. In three words, what would be your personal mission statement that you bring to your school, or you bring to your job, or you bring to your neighborhood, your family, the world? A family friend named Nicole Wong challenged me about this in an article that she wrote. Now here's her three-word personal mission statement. Inspire radical hope. And I thought, wow. That's a great way to communicate your values at work or wherever uh, and what you want to do, not for yourself or for others, how to be a servant to others. Um, For me, after she challenged me, I came up with reduce unnecessary pain. Some pain is necessary, like when you exercise or lift weights, you know, it hurts, but it, it helps you. But there's some pain you don't need to go through from addiction or meanness or selfishness or stubbornness or unforgiveness, and I wanna help reduce or eliminate that pain, sometimes starting with the symptoms and then go to the root cause. Sometimes people get hurt from a tragedy, but I don't want that hurt to rule their lives, so I wanna lessen that. Some people wanna choose hell, and I want to eliminate that unnecessary eternal pain. So what's yours? One of the three words should be a verb Make it an action in your mission like make lives better. Now that's just simple and concise. A business like the shoe company Zappos came up with a two-word mission statement, which was delivering happiness. Not bad. But we're not talking about souls and a shoe, but souls and people. We want people to be freed up, not straight lace, so to speak. We don't want loafers, we want runners. We don't want flip-flops, but people whose yes is yes and their no is no. That's enough Chun puns for now. So what is your personal three-word statement? Pick words that energize you, says Nicole Wong. Take some time. Make it really you. Talk about it in your small groups, your life groups. Use it in all areas of your life, social, business, community. And you know what? What? As you serve others in your mission, you will actually feel better about yourself, whether or not you have awesome abs. And as you serve, remember what Jesus told his disciples, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. So let's do it for Jesus, because if you do it only for your own personal name or gain or fame, it won't last. People went, Jesus went all out and gave it up for us just before i give the final blessing i want to encourage those of you who may want to pray with someone maybe the holy spirit stirred something up in you and you would love to pray with someone and uh, our prayer team will be in front of the cross and in front of the choir risers here and whatever the issue might be maybe it's something for physical healing or something emotional or spiritual please come up and they will confidentially listen and and then pray for you but for all of you i have a blessing so please receive the blessing May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all that you do, may you glorify God in his name. In Christ's
0: name, amen. It is not about us. It's about us becoming more like Jesus and serving others. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at 45550 Kionaole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 930, and 1111. Follow First Prez on Twitter and Facebook. Download that brand new First Pres app. Watch First Prez Sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. If you need more, you can call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chan and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. Strength for the Journey is copyright 2018 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.